This is ESPN Crick Info. Bowl at Boys. Just over two weeks into the World Cup, and we've seen quite a few things already. High-scoring matches, low-scoring matches, one-sided matches, upsets, if that's what we can call them anymore, and an A.B. de Villiers special already. This is Bowled Boyks on ESPN Crick Info, and I'm joined by Mr. Jeffrey Boycott from New Zealand. The weather's wonderful, and uh, I like the New Zealand people. Well, let's start taking the questions straight away. The first one was sent by Sean from the UK, who says, What is going wrong with the England bowling attack? They easily concede 300, they are unable to take wickets and even lack control. What changes do you suggest in the bowling attack, and maybe in batting too, to do better in the remaining matches? Well, the four seamers England are using are English-type bowlers, and they are used to getting some swing and a bit of movement off the pitch when they bowl on English pitches. Even when English pitches are good, there's usually a little bit in there, in the swing and the seam. Now, when they have to bowl... On these pitches abroad, there are flat, straw-coloured surfaces with no movement. Then there is a sameness about the line, length and pace that they all bowl. You know, on flat decks, at medium-fast, the accuracy and length has to be near-perfect. And ideally, England needs some variety, but don't have it. Uh, even Moyn Ali's off-spin is followed by Joe Root's off-spin. So there's no left-arm spinner all leg spinner, all left arm seamer to bowl over or around the wicket, and above all else, they have no genuine fast bowler who's a wicket-taking bowler. That's always a big plus. Our captain and coach are so bloody-minded they keep picking Gary Balance at number three. They don't listen to anybody. He isn't a, an ODI number three. He doesn't bat for Yorkshire at number three, and that's my county where I see him over the years. But Morgan and Moores have been determined to not see it. It's as if, uh, the, if the media, which is full of us ex-players, have said Hales is a better bet than Gary Balance, that they're just going to be bloody-minded and pick Gary until he succeeds to show that they know best. Well, they don't. And yet the coach, captain and coach, you know, are just not going to do it because we've suggested it, which seems silly to me. It's like sticking your head in the sand. Finn has not found any pace and bounds since he altered his delivery strides approaching delivery. His two or three strides approaching delivery, if you remember, he used to catch the stumps with his right knee. And so, so they've tried to alter this approach to the delivery so that he doesn't catch the stumps. And since then, he's been nothing like the bowler he was, which had pace and bounce because of his height. Now, he bowls with no venom. He's trying like hell is a lad. But sometimes, you know, I've seen it before. When bowlers lose it, really lose what they had, it's very difficult to get it back. And some people never find it. It'll be a shame, because he's a wonderful prospect he was, but he's not the force he was. It floats out of his hand. Anderson has never been a force if the ball doesn't move. When there is movement, he is world-class. That's why in England, magic bowler. But abroad, flat, straight up and down, he's no different to anybody else. Wokes, for me, has always been a good county bowler. Nothing more. Tries like hell, good creator. And Broad, he's coming back from injury. 
and needs bowling. He also needs movement. He's a seam bowler who gets a bit of bounce because of his eyes, but he needs movement. And when there is none, sorry, you're looking then to the captain for inspirational ideas, and I don't think you're going to find it uh, with Morgan. Everything is predictable and stereotyped, and it's not going to change if the pitches are flat. So talking of bowlers, Jeffrey, I have a small question that if, if Tim Saudi and Mitchell Stark and Trent Bolt can swing the ball, then how come James Anderson and Stuart Broad cannot? Well, they didn't swing it a lot. I mean, Bolt, I mean, it depends what you call swing. In the modern era, young players growing up over the last 10 or 15 years have had better bats and better batting pitches and faster outfields than we've ever had or ever seen. And going back to my era, the Capel Devi era, the Ian Bolton's era, they swung the ball quite a lot of inches. Swing was inches, four, five, six inches. Nowadays, the modern day youngster, if the ball swings an inch, just an inch, they, ooh, dearie, oh dear, that's difficult. We used to think an inch, what are you talking about? At our level, I ought to be able to play an inch of swing. When it swings four, five, six inches, then it's very difficult because it's swinging more than the width of my bat. And the trouble is the modern day players have been seduced by growing up as youngsters over the last 15 years or more on the flattest, best batting pitches you could ever find. They don't move much, certainly hardly ever spin. You see these pitches in New Zealand, where have they spun? The good ones. I saw Australia, New Zealand, Vittori, older, mature, experienced bowler, ball with flight, use of the crease. The ball never turned once, yet it was amazing. Wonderful spell. But spin, my God, if he turns an inch, the modern day cricketer thinks, oh, it's turning. On uncovered pitches, which I talk about often and they've never seen, they don't understand what we're talking about, the ball would turn a foot or more and jump sometimes, and squat and keep low. They've no idea what real swing is. And so when Southie swung it a little bit, England were all at sea. The batsmen were all at sea. But that's not a lot of swing. It was a bit of swing with great control. And the guy's a good bowler. And we should do the same. But it needs great control and the swing it. But it's still only a little bit. Our batsmen are mesmerized when it swings a little bit, and our bowlers don't seem to be able to swing it like other people. Right, well, let's hope some form and luck swings in England's favour in the remaining two matches. Second question... Well, we'll beat Bangladesh and everybody say we'll be good again. We'll be good, we'll be, <laughs> we'll be good to win the World Cup. <laughs> let's hope they make the quarterfinals, Jeffrey. doesn't matter if you make the quarterfinals. If you're not playing well, because you're not going to beat anybody, are you? That's true. Time for the second question. Nishit from India says, Jeffrey, India were in such horrible form going into the World Cup, having not won a single match on the tour of Australia, and with such a poor record away from home recently. What has the team done to change their fortunes, that too against teams like Pakistan and South Africa, early in the tournament? How are they now doing well in all three departments? I think it's because this World Cup is a batsman's World Cup. You look at the flat decks, shortish boundaries, heavy bats are talked about hitting further. 
there's no spin or anything, nobody's turned it. And you look at the field places, the restrictions, you know, only four in the last uh, few overs, only two out in the first few overs. It, it's easier than ever for batting, more difficult for bowlers. And I think India, their strength is their batting. They've always had good batsmen. You people of India have been worried about your team not doing well in this World Cup because you thought your bowlers, your best bowlers are injured, and the bowlers, you, when they're all fit, you thought, hmm, I'm not sure they're that good on Australian New Zealand pitches. But batting first, I believe India will be a threat, big threat. Because when you bat first and you have a good batting lineup, which India have, there's less pressure. Players have no inhibitions. They play with freedom. They can express themselves because batting is their 40. And when you bat first, you don't know what score you're going to get. You don't know what score is a good score. So they just bat. And I think if they're lucky enough to bat first, I think they're going to be a real force. And I also think Dhoni, as a captain, he's more comfortable when his team pokes the big score and then can defend it. And although bowlers are having a tough time in this World Cup, um, I thought the Indian seamers were not well known, bowled really well. They don't move it, as I've said. There's no real movement for players. They are flat, they're straw clubber, they're very dry. But they bowled a wonderful discipline, line and length. I thought their performance against Pakistan in Adelaide was exceptional. It was so tight a line and so disciplined that it squeezed the pressure on batsmen, on Pakistan batsmen who, who found it tough to get runs, so got out. And I think that's the key where Dhoni is comfortable. If the team bats first, bowls the score, his bowlers are better at just bowling discipline and waiting for the opposition to make mistakes. So for me, the toss is important for a lot of teams, but I think it's, it's even more important for India. So don't write India off. They have to bat first. Alright, from one informed team to another, Matthew from India sent the third question. He says, Jeffrey, I think New Zealand are looking the strongest team to win this World Cup, going by form and the composition of the team. They have a great pace attack, an experienced spinner, aggressive openers and a reliable middle order. But what could possibly go against them to stop them from lifting the trophy? Do they have any weak links? And which team do you think can beat them in the knockouts? Well, I like Australia, New Zealand and South Africa. I always have done. But Australia have depth in batting and they are fast bowlers, three. Three wicket-taking fast bowlers. And if they can stay fit, I think they are a godsend. They're priceless. Because when fast bowlers get it all together, they can change the game so quickly. Just look how they did against New Zealand. When New Zealand only had a small total, seemed easy, 70-odd for two, suddenly they start to blow you away. And the reason for that is that some guys, some batsmen, are timid. They don't fancy the quick bowling. Some batsmen are hitters of medium pace and spinners, but when they get express bowling, really fast and short, not so easy to hit them, you know. And hitters can't hit express bowling so easily. And particularly if at the back of the mind they're a little bit worried about getting hit or hurt. 
And you've got to remember that some batsmen just don't have the skill to combat uh, exceptional pace. There's a lot of skill and ability involved as well as courage. And sometimes it's just pure skill. They just haven't got it because they don't see it very often. Look how Mitchell Johnson mesmerized England in the Ashes a year ago. They don't come up against fast bowling, genuine, real fast bowling. There's Mitchell Johnson, there's Dale State. Who else in the world is really quick? Well, Aussie have got Stark and they've got Cummins. And I think this is it. Three fast men can be the aces. Three aces, not one. But if one don't get you, maybe the others will. And when I just look at New Zealand, how the three Aussie speedsters changed the match, or nearly did, they nearly won it against New Zealand. Well, if these two teams come up against each other again, you ask me how will New Zealand not win the World Cup? Two points. Will Australia's batting fail again? That's a big question. I don't think so. I think they were a bit rusty. Their match against Bangladesh was rained off in Brisbane. They hadn't played for two weeks. Two weeks is a long time. Weeks, okay. Two weeks, long time for professionals. And two, can New Zealand's batsmen combat the pace better than they did? Two questions have to be answered. And if they're not answered in New Zealand's favour, Australia will win the World Cup. So, Jeffrey, within the New Zealand team, suppose they do not face Australia, do you see any weak links in the team? Uh, listen, it's all on the day. It's not a matter of weak links. They're a very good side. Victoria's a wonderful bowler. Southie, uh, bowled beautifully. Yeah, look, uh, they've got a, enough good cricketers. They're playing well. Their confidence is high. There's no real weak links, but pace. Pace is the thing. Nobody else has got pace like them. There's only Dale Stain, and he's just one for South Africa. They've got three, so if they can stay fit, they could just be the difference. Wicket-taking bowlers. In this World Cup, it's all batting. All batting. When batsmen get in, it's very difficult to get them out. So if you can get wickets, wicket-taking bowlers, then you get new batsmen to the crease who normally don't score as quick, have to get in, that's the difference. Wicket-taking bowlers. Boyk's question of the week. All right, time for the fourth question. A pretty straightforward one, sent by Malik from United States. He says, Jeffrey, what would you do if you were Pakistan's batting coach? Why do they go into their shell and other teams don't? What would I do if I was Pakistan's batting coach? Well, I wouldn't take the job. <laughs> but putting it simply... I think it's an enormous challenge because I don't believe at this moment Pakistan are blessed with a lot of talent. And I say that, I'm brutally honest about it. I love a lot of the Pakistanis, are friends of mine. I've been there, played there, commentated there, but there are times, you know, in the past, when some of the greatest cricketers who have ever graced this game were playing for Pakistan and they could do magical things. You know, Wasim Waka, Imram, Javid, me and Dad, I could name loads. This lot you've got can't. You've got some young kids playing, some ordinary players, but no greats, no stars. Where is the match winner? There's the question. Where have you got a match winner? 
someone who captures the imagination is not there. And sometimes it hurts when someone like me is brutally honest and says, look, you have to accept, just like my country, England, this is a marking time period. You have no great until a new set of special talent arrives on the scene you're going to have to accept a few hard times. It's hard to stomach. It's tough. I know because I follow England. And I want England to succeed like Pakistanis want Pakistan to succeed. But it's not there. We don't have it. And there's no shame or embarrassment. If this is your best team, you have to accept it. And they're just not as good as some of the others at this moment in time. It is not a golden era for Pakistan. It's the opposite. It will come again. There will be players who will turn up somewhere in the future and you'll have a wonderful team again. There'll be people who capture the imagination with these fast bowlers, batsmen, wristbitters. Where? When? I don't know. But it'll happen. The wheel of fortune goes round. And they are going into their shell, getting tense, can't do what you would like them to do because... Whoever was the coach is limited to what he can do with this lack of talent available. And I don't take any pleasure in saying that. Well, that's true. And that sadly brings us to the end of this episode. And uh, two weeks from now, just when the knockouts will be beginning, Jeffrey Boycott will join us again. Let's see who makes the knockouts, who doesn't. And send in your questions, your feedback via the feedback form on the website. And we'll try to take as many of those as possible. Till then... Enjoy the cricket. Goodbye and good luck. You are listening to ESPN Crick Info.